0: chapter 37 ezekiel chapter number 37 <clears throat> i was telling uh, we have brother daniel cole and his wife with us today brother daniel is a good friend of mine he's a uh, he's a great singer he's a great preacher i'm hoping to get him get him an opportunity to preach to y'all sooner rather than later but he's going to be doing a lot of singing for us but i was telling him he, came, he went with me to pocahontas a few weeks ago and we had a great time and God moved in a special way out there, and but I'm not near as prepared. I've been very sick. I've had the, I've had pneumonia recently. I've been working a, a lot of overtime recently, so I'm not as prepared this week. If if uh, if I say something that just doesn't make any sense, please forgive me. I'm I've I've been under the influence of a lot of medication, trying to make myself feel better, where I can breathe again. And uh, if I if I stop for a minute just to catch my breath. I understand I'm young and I shouldn't be doing that, but I've had pneumonia. Please be just bear with me today, so in Ezekiel chapter number thirty seven, verses one through ten is where we'll be. It says The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold there were very many in the open valley, and lo they were very dry, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, and there was no breath in them. And then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. It's a very interesting passage of scripture that we have here. Uh, uh, Ezekiel, the, uh, the preacher or the prophet, if you will, he's walking with God and he's talking with them and they've... Come upon this valley that is full of these dry bones. Uh, it is uh, speculated that this was a scene of a great battle, and there's a lot of dead individuals there. There's no there's no meat upon them. They've been they've been dead a while, apparently. There's no life in them, and God asks the, uh, Ezekiel an interesting question. He says, "Can these bones live?" and I love the answer that Ezekiel gives. And he says that, oh, Lord God, thou knowest. A lot of times as Christians, we get this idea that we know better than God or we, or we think that we can know how things are going to work out, but we really don't. That's the best answer when God says, hey, can this be done? Well, Lord, thou knowest. Are we going to do it or not? That's the best way of looking at it. But that's not what I'm interested in. I'm interested in these bones. These bones, there's a lot of pictures here. We see these dry bones. It can be a picture of many different things. It can be a, a picture of life without Christ. When, before an individual gets saved, what does the Bible say? It says that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, correct? We don't, we don't have life. Our spirit isn't brought to life yet. So it can be a picture of the unsaved. But I, I find that a, the, this also could be a picture of a, of a Christian who has left God. In Second and Peter, it talks about if we don't add to our faith virtue and faith and all of these different things that you can, you can actually forget that you were ever saved. Or you can get to a place where it's just dryness and, and God's not working in your life and you feel empty and you forget that you were saved. There's another picture that you have there, but I also find that these dry bones... Can be a picture of a dead church, a church that God has left, or a church that God that it's its people have decided that they don't necessarily want God. They want their programs. They want the things that, that we have decided that we want in our house. We don't want God to change things. We don't want God to change the way we act. We want what we want and that's how we want it. It doesn't matter what God wants. The problem with a lot of churches in America is that we think that our church is a social gathering and it's a, it's a gathering that we come together to enjoy fellowship with one another, but no, that's just a byproduct of the, of the church gathering. The church gathering is to meet with God. The church gathering is to come and to, and to have one-on-one communication with God, to learn from His Word and allow Him to move in the hearts of individuals and to see souls saved. That's the point of the church. It's not about us looking good. You'll find as we carry on that these, these bones, they came together and they, and they had flesh on them and they looked good. They were probably standing in line in formation. They probably looked nice, right? But there was no breath in them. That's the problem with our churches today. There's, there's a whole bunch of churches. They look good. They've got their flashy lights and their pretty music and all these things, but there's no life in the churches these days. We've got a lot of churches that we all come, and, and we are. And there's certain individuals that enjoy it, but there's other individuals that are coming, and they're hungry for God, and they're looking for something, and then they leave, and they're just the same as they came in. What's the point of going to church to seek God if we're not looking to be changed from the inside? What's the point of going to church and being in our Bible and being a Christian and, and serving God if we don't want something different? I can go out in the world and I can look the part and I can act the part. But in churches, we find that if you come to church and you look the part and you act the part, be sure your sins will find you out. Dry bones. But there's three things that happen. I'm interested in these three things that happen. We've got countless dead churches in America. We've got countless unsaved individuals. We've got countless Christians that have turned their back on God and have become backslidden. I see three things in this passage to fix this problem. He says, in verse 4, he says, prophesy upon these bones. Prophesy. We understand in the age that we live in that I cannot stand before you and give you a prophecy or a, uh, something that's going to be fulfilled. But if we look at the root of this word and the, and the Hebrew and what it actually is talking about, it's preaching. When a prophet would prophesy in the Old Testament, it was the same as if he was preaching. They did not have the open vision, which is the Bible, but I have it. I have the open vision. I don't have to prophesy to you. I preach to you because it's already been written down. I have the prophecy here. I have everything that's going to happen. I have everything that has happened. Everything that God wants me to tell you is written here. So I'm prophesying to you or preaching the prophecy to you so here's the thing we've got these dry bones we've got we've got these pictures that we've talked about we want to see life back in our churches it's going to take some preaching it's going to take some preaching it's going to it's not going to take the it's not going to take the well god loves you kind of preaching it's going to take the serious the hard preaching it's going to take individuals that can accept preaching not individuals that sit in their pew and say, well, how dare the preacher say that to me? How dare the preacher speak about that? It's none of his business. He's meddling. If it's written in this Bible, it's outlined for your pastor to preach it. Preach the whole counsel of the word of God. But we've got individuals that get upset when the pastor gets up and he mounts the pulpit and God's laid something on his heart. And, he's, and at times when he's in his office, I guarantee you there's times that, God, I don't want to preach that. Someone's going to get upset because I preach that. Or, or God, so-and-so needs to hear something else. Why would you have me preach this? And then he mounts the pulpit and he's, he follows through with what God has told him to do. And then there's individuals that are upset because what happened? God got in your lane. God got in your lane. It wasn't anything to do with the pastor. I don't know anything that goes on with any individual here, including my parents or my, my wife's heart. Her heart is her own. I don't know exactly what goes on in her heart. I'd like to think I know exactly, but I don't know any individual what's going on in your life or your heart. The pastor knows you better than I do. He doesn't know exactly what goes on behind closed doors. But when the pastor mounts the pulpit, and he opens the w- Word of God, and he starts to preach and it gets a little stiff, that's God lining something out. That's God lining, that's not not the pastor, don't get mad at him. That's God, that's a sign of life. Be sure that God will correct his children. You, You wouldn't allow your children to behave wrong, right? Mine don't. If mine misbehave, what happens? Let's go get us a whip. Let's fix the problem, right? What happens when God has a man of God step in a pulpit and he says, Hey, David, when Nathan came to David, what did he say? He told him him of the man that took the other man's sheep, right? And David said, Hey, kill that man. And Nathan put his finger in his face and said, Thou art the man. That's rough. That's really rough. But we get mad when a preacher gets up and preaches against something that we like. I mean, come on. If we want to see God do something, if we want to see our churches in America, and I'm not pointing, I'm not saying this church is dead. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of dead churches in America, and there's a lot of dead Christians in America that that just they're they're I call them fat Christians. They just sit on a pew, they take up space, and they don't provide anything. They don't bring anything to the house of God. They're not interested in serving. They're not interested in doing anything for God. They're just interested in hey preacher, feed me today. That drives me up the wall. It drives me up the wall because hey, you got the same God that I have. You got the same Bible that I have. Why don't you have the same fire? I could show you a lot of reasons, but I believe they're dried up. And they need new life. And it's going to come from the preaching of God's word. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 <clears throat> Give me just a second. I'll read it. You don't have to turn. It says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Preaching is what brings back life. Preaching the Word. And it's not all. it, it can't all be God loves you. It can't all be about grace, but praise God for grace. And thank God that God loves you. But there's some commandments in this book that we are to uphold. There are some standards in this book that we are to uphold. And sometimes that can be painful. Sometimes when a man gets up and he starts preaching, thus saith the Lord, it, cannot, it it's not exactly a fun experience. We're going to have to handle it correctly. Uh, when when, when uh, Ezekiel prophesied to these bones, what did, you, did you notice that them fighting back? Did, did you notice that? did they did they did they did they get offended at him? no, they stood in line I'm not saying that the pastor or the preacher is above anyone I'm not saying that you should look up to the pastor and all and like oh he's such a great person no he's look at God in the Bible he's bringing you the Bible he's bringing you the word of God churches don't need new programs we don't need new music we don't need we don't need these shiny glittery things to draw people we need preaching real preaching not the fake stuff not the well let's just let let's just let's just look at the bible you know i'm not trying to make fun of anybody but i mean i can get on my on social media i follow a lot of uh, christian stuff and if i get on the videos and i look at the videos a lot of these crazy wild stuff pops up that they believe is christianity and it's not christianity I, it's it's some kind of spirit, but it's not the spirit that I know. And I don't understand how people can get sucked into it when you have individuals that preach like Mark Stroud or like uh, Cody Zorn or other individuals that are out there that you could listen to that are just fantastic preachers that have God all over them and then get sucked into some of this stuff of the, that the world has. And then I don't understand how we've got men of God in, in America, that the, the mouths that we have and the freedoms that we have, and we have such dead Christians and such dead churches. I don't understand it. It's because our people won't endure sound doctrine. I'm pretty sure Paul told Timothy about it. Hey, there's going to come a day that they're going to heap to themselves itch, uh, teachers having itchy ears. Excuse me. We're there. We're going to have to get back to the place that we can endure Preaching. We're going to have to endure some preaching. The next issue that we have, you want to see life in church? You want to see life in your spiritual walk? You want to see America get turned back on for for God? It's going to take praising God properly. And I know this is a touchy subject. And I know who I'm preaching to. And I know where I'm at. I want to show you something interesting. Look in verse seven. He says, "So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a, a noise, a noise. Does anyone know what that, that word noise? Does anyone know the Hebrew word for that word? It's Koa. It's pronounced Koa. The word Koa is the same word used. In the book of Psalms, almost a thousand times when it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. When it says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, same word. What the Bible is showing us, and words are important. Pay attention to words in your King James Bible. Get you a study Bible. Get Get you a Hebrew and a Greek study Bible, a Strong's Concordance, and look up these words. They're important. What it's saying is, is these dry bones, they can praise God. They can praise God. So uh, remember when we talked about at the beginning, we had a bunch of, it's possible to have Christians who are dead inside. They're they're saved. They're on their way to heaven, but they don't have any fruit. They're not bearing anything. They're basically dead. That person can praise God. What What does the Bible say about praise? says, enter into my courts with what? Thanksgiving and into my courts with what? Praise. So we have, a lot of, we have a lot of dead churches across America. Would anybody disagree with that? Would anybody disagree with me? We're, we're closing churches down one right after another. What happened to praising God? See, there was a time, and there's still places, When a man could mount a pulpit and he could say, ain't God good? And the whole church would go, "Woo, amen. But now it's, oh, the Charismatics do that. The Pentecostals do that. No, the Pentecostals didn't start that. The Baptists start that. Because the Bible says over a thousand times to praise the Lord. And now we've twisted it. We say, oh, praise is only singing. No. I guarantee you when the, the Israelites came out of Egypt in Exodus, and when they, there's the, the very first song was written in Exodus, and I guarantee you when they're coming out, it wasn't, well, praise God. What a beautiful song. No, I bet it was, woo we ain't slaves no more. But in our churches, see, we, we're not slaves to, to our flesh anymore. We're not held slave to the sin that once bound us. We're not slaves to an eternity in hell anymore, are we? Then why in the world, when somebody talks about the one who died on a cross for us, is it silence? There's not one individual that can speak up and say, hey, amen to that. I can agree with that. That's biblical. You can look it up in the New Testament. Hey, to agree with one another with a holy amen. It's in there. You go look it up. And it's a frustration. We want to have God in our churches, but we refuse to use His diagram of what it is supposed to look like to have His presence in a building. How dare we expect God? Hey, you should come meet with us, but I will not open my mouth for you. That's rough. I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm saying. That's rough. But remember what I said? We want to see revival in America. We're a bunch of dry bones in this, in this country right now. You want to see life again? I'm going to start making some noise. We're going to have to start saying amen once in a while. There should be some excitement. Hey, I don't want to go to a, a bowling alley or something that's just boring. Like, oh, look, the ball doesn't work. And, or let's go to a carnival where the music is all sad and the rides don't work and it's boring. Why would anybody want to come to a church service where everybody's sitting at their pew... Oh, is it time to go to lunch yet? Why would anybody want that? Hey, why would a Christian or an unsaved individual come in and want something that a person sitting here is just... How dare that preacher say that? Why would they want that? But when you come in and I'm happy because God saved me. Because I have a place that I can serve. Because God did something special for me because God touched me in a special way and He changed my life. And it's important to me and I want to praise Him for what He's done. And I want to see life back in my churches. And I want to see life back in my country. It's going to start with me getting right with God and saying, God, I understand that I may look silly and I may look like a fool, but I'm going to praise you this morning. You know what my job is as a preacher? I'm supposed to look like a fool. Do I look foolish enough to you today? But he is worth it. He is worth me looking foolish for his sake. If I can get a hold of one person that will say, Hey, I'll praise God. I'll, do, I'll stand in the gap for you, God. I'll, I'll, I, I want to be in your presence, and I'll look like the fool for you. If there's just one that can get that, what would God do with it? God turned the whole world upside down with 12 apostles. What could he do with one church member that said, Hey, I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care what anybody else looks at me like. I don't care if you like it. I'm going to stand on God's Word, and I'm going to praise the Lord today. We need to get back to that. Unashamed. Not shameful. I'm not, I don't care if you like it. I don't care if you think I look good doing it. It ain't for you. It's for Him. It's for my Savior. There's coming a day that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And I'm interested in confessing it right now. I ain't waiting until the time that I have to. I'd rather tell everybody right now. That is a, a frustration. God, over a thousand times, he doesn't mention it. He commands it over a thousand times in one book. If something is mentioned one time in your Bible, it is a doctrine. If God mentions it time and time and time and time again, you better pay attention. You better pay attention. That is how we enter into his his presence. You want to see his presence in a church? Praise him. Praise him. That means when it's time to sing, you sing. Whether you sound good or not. I have the worst singing voice known to man. But did I not get up and sing just a few weeks ago and lead the singing? Did I not? I look like a fool. I did. I ain't got no clue what I'm doing. But he's worthy. You want to see God work in your church? You want to see God work in your life? Hey, be okay with saying amen and looking a little foolish. That's okay. The charismatics did not coin that. We did. The charismatics took it because people got scared. Oh, I don't want to look like them. So let's just throw our praise away. And then we wonder why Baptist churches are closing their doors by the thousands. Because we've left how we praise God. We've denied how we praise God. It takes breath. You don't get the breath of God if you don't have the preaching. You don't get the breath of God in a church if you ain't praising it. Because the breath of God, if you're going to breathe on something, what do you have to have? You have to have a presence. If our churches and if our individuals, if, if people are going to get saved, if our churches are going to uh, be changed and have God work in our, in our, in our lives and our hearts, it's going to take some breath from Him. The breath of God is an interesting thing. If you ever study it, you'd find that Adam was given life because of the breath of God. Job 33.4 says, The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Your very being is brought about by the breath of God, the Bible tells us. You You don't... Grow spiritually if God doesn't breathe on you. Have you ever been in a church service, Daniel, that you can feel God just walk in and... It gets wild, don't it? It gets exciting. There's nothing quite like it. There's nothing quite like it. Because when God shows up, He starts breathing on individuals, you'll start seeing people get right with not just God, but one another. You'll start seeing individuals that, hey, I just don't really like that person. Run into them, forgive me. God told me I was wrong. What you'll see is brothers that have disliked each other. Maybe there was a disagreement and they've never gotten over it. That's not important anymore. A long time ago, I preached... In Philippians, about the importance of unity, not uniformity. I don't know if anybody remembers. In Philippians chapter 2, he talks about how important it is that we be unified as one, uh, with the same mind and the same heart as a church. You don't get that without the breath of God. You want to see God do something special in this in this place? For one, you're going to... You've got the preaching. That Brother Jerry preaches. I don't, I don't question that at all. But you're going to have to have the right heart. Because if you remember in Philippians when we were talking about unity, I told you that the very, a very important thing with having unity in a church is a submissive mind. A mind that's submitted to God. Saying, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. Not a mind that bucks what's being preached. Not a mind that says, well, that's for somebody so-and-so down the pew. No for me because I want I want a breath of God we need some we need some individuals that'll be praying for God to breathe in our services the New Testament about the time of the Passover Jesus tells his disciples he said go into this such-and-such town and you will find a man he'll be I can't remember exactly what he'd be doing but he said you'll find a man He'll have a room. it will be prepared. Tell him I'm coming. The master has need for it. So they went into the town. and They found the man. And they said, hey, you have a room that's ready. Yeah, got a room that's ready. The master has need for it. Oh, The Savior, the Christ, has need for it. You know what's interesting about that story? Yeah, it's a story. It's a real thing. It actually happened. What's the application to that? That man was ready at all times for somebody to show up. A lot of times in our churches, we show up to church. I'm not expecting anything to show up. I'm not expecting God to move. What would happen if we had a group of individuals that would show up to church, prayed up, read up, Expecting God to do something. What would happen? What would happen if we had men at the door? Hey, I'm waiting on a visitor today. I, I invited a guy to church and he's going to get saved today. I can feel it. What would happen? I've been praying about it all week, brother. I, I met this guy at Walmart and I invited him to church. He said he was going to come. I've been praying for him all week. His name is such and such. What would happen? Because I was expecting God to show up. You expect that enough times. What happens? God will show up. But you know what else happens? It gives you some life. He gives you some fire. It makes things exciting again. It's not just a mundane, hey, I'm in my spot this week. No, I'm looking for God to do something. I don't, I don't, I don't ever mount a pulpit. I may be less prepared than normal, but I don't mount a pulpit and think, well, God, I know you're not going to do nothing with us today, and I'm just going just to get through it. God's never failed me before. He's never failed me. I may have failed myself. I may have got a little prideful and arrogant. But if I became in the right spirit, God's never failed me. God's not going to fail you. Hey, God hears every prayer that we pray. Why can't we, why can't we show up looking for God to breathe on our services? Show up prepared for it. Looking for it, not a, well, whoa, what was that? What happened today? Did y'all, so and so let out the loudest amen I ever heard in my life. Did y'all hear that? That was wild. It's funny, isn't it? Because some people are that way. What happens if we came preparing for that? Looking for it, like, man, I hope God gets, I hope God moves today. I hope God does something special today. I hope it isn't just the normal mundane. I want God to show up. There's times that God has showed up in church services that it was so real that you could hear the door slam behind him. I've been in times of my own in prayer that it's been so real that God showed up. You could feel his hand touch you on the neck when you're praying. God can do that in your church. You're going to have to endure some preaching. Preaching. You're going to have to enjoy the preaching. Let's, let's rephrase that. You need to get where you can enjoy harsh preaching. Because it's... It, ain't not a one of us here perfect, are we? Ain't a single one of us got it all figured out. You're we'll have to get to where you can enjoy. Boy, he got on my toes today. Amen. But God still loves me. He's still chastising me. We're going to have to learn to praise God again. And I mean praise God. I'm not playing around with, uh, well... Amen. I feel good now. Amen. Yeah. No. I guarantee you, when God was on the cross, He didn't halfway cleanse your sins, did He? That's kind of rough, right there. So why are you giving half effort? Church isn't just a hey. I'm going to sit here and you feed me. A church is hey. I'm here to meet with God, and I'm going to help that preacher out. That's that's a real thing. If you ever preach in a church that's completely dead and nobody's interested in what you gotta say, you can feel it. It's like a lock that is wrapped around you. It's like a satanic binding. But you get in a church that's free, that's praising God, the freedom that you have to preach is unbelievable. I can't explain that to somebody that's never preached before, but it's a real thing. We wrestle not with powers Uh, we don't wrestle not with against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities right we we fight a spiritual warfare why are we letting the the why are we letting the the enemy silence us why are we letting the enemy take away the one thing God said hey I expect this of you over a thousand times we need a breath of God in our churches we need to We need revival in America is what we need. The problem is, is we look around and we say, well, it's because of the homosexual crowd or it's because of the Democratic crowd or the liberal crowd or whatever. You Republicans, I really don't care. I don't think it started there. I think it started in churches because we got quiet. It it started in churches because we started... We didn't want to hear preaching. We didn't want to hear thus saith the Lord. We wanted to hear God loves you. God's so good to you. That's what happened. And then we decided that, hey, we shouldn't discipline our children. That happened. The Bible says to spare not the rod. It even says to the more marks you leave, the more you love them. It literally says that. It talks about bruising. I'm not saying you should bruise your children. I'm saying that you should whip your children. I'm saying you're supposed to discipline them because that's what the Bible says. Now you look around and we got a bunch of kids that I can't even get, I can't get any help at work because these kids don't want to work. You can't find 20-year-olds that want to work. Why? Because they, they was handed everything. Because we got away from biblical principles. That We decided, hey, our way is better than God's way. The liberal agenda is better than God's way. How dare a preacher tell me how I should raise my kids? Look at the mess we're in now. We're going to have to get back to where we can endure some sound preaching and not just hear it, but enact it. We're going to have to do it. That's where we're at. And that was short. That's all I got. But I feel like that's where God wants us to quit, right there. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to dismiss you. You're going to have a couple extra minutes before we start this morning, okay? Dearly, Father, Lord, thank you today, God. Thank me blessings, Lord. Thank you for your opportunity to preach and be in your house, God. I pray that you'll bless us today. I pray that you'll help help the hearers, God. I pray that they'll take what you've had to say and you'll uh, help help us to apply it to our hearts and our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, I ask, Amen. All right, you're dismissed for a few minutes.